Welcome back to another episode, City Life Uncensored. Pretty excited today because we've got a uh, you know serial entrepreneur, if you will, if, I, if if you let me call you that right, uh, on the show, an investor of ours, right? So you know, super appreciative of of that, right? And you know, but uh, really excited to dive into you know a lot of the ventures you have, right? And you know what you do full time a little bit, right? As your own company. So welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, man, pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man. So uh, right, Doug. First and foremost, really, what we do with everybody, we want to know the story, man. We've got to hear the hear the come up. So why don't you hit yeah. us with the come up, bro? So to put it very simply, I like to tell people I'm an investor and a wealth advisor. Um, I invest in everything from real estate, businesses, the financial markets, um, private debt deals. And then I also own an independent wealth management firm here in Pittsburgh and uh, in Florida. And I started, so taking it all the way back, I started investing really young when I was an 18. Um, growing up, for some reason, I was always money hungry. I had uh, my first job at 16. I was literally cold calling restaurants to try to find someone that would hire me at a younger age. That was my first experience at like sales. Cold calling to get a job <laughs> to get at a, a job, restaurant. Yes, Before you were able to. Yes, because like I was too work. young. You're too young to work. Yeah, so I started out learning about sales early. This is like <laughs> yellow books, Sweet. like old school stuff going down. Like, hey, Dairy Queen, can I get a job here? Hey, <laughs> fast food spot. Did you negotiate your wages? I was not at well. I was just very excited once I got a job. Yeah, I just wanted to have my own money young. Hold on. What um, was the first job then? Eaton Park, baby. Nice. Four years. Server or cook or what? No, I started out in the grimy, doing the dishes, trash, like none of the fun stuff, oh, wow. sweeping up. Love yeah. that. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to have my own income, and uh, I finally got my first job at 16. Uh, then... Probably about halfway through high school, I was always like the sports and like school. Were you guy. were you doing anything crazy before you were sixteen to like make side money? Like oh yeah, like like entrepreneurial type stuff. Yeah, in my yeah. early teens, I would go door to door and like try to shovel driveways for money, cut grass, rake leaves, wash yeah. cars. Like anything. most entrepreneurs, you always hear early on they're always doing some weird oh yeah you know, one off things to try and make a couple you bucks. Could sell. Yeah. Exactly, it's part of the DNA. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just love the idea of making money and saving money. It wasn't even necessarily to buy anything. It was just I, I liked the game. Um, so <clears throat> I got my first job early on. Uh, by the time I was like a junior in high school, I was working two jobs. I was doing like landscaping on the side. Um, so I was working like crazy in the summers, like 50, 60 hour weeks and saving up all this money. I just enjoyed making money. And uh, by the time I graduated high school, I got introduced to the stock market. I never really knew anything about it. I'd heard about it, but um, I didn't have really any clue of how it operated. Pittsburgh, you grew up in Pittsburgh? I grew up about 30 minutes east of the city. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, when I graduated high school, I started learning about the stock market. And my, my dad, who worked at a credit union, he's like, hey, you're like interested in the stock market stuff. You should read this book so you, or learn about this guy, Warren Buffett. Mm. So. I started learning about Introduced Warren Introduced Warren at a young age. Literally oh, changed yep. my life. I yep. was like, this is like the guy. I read um, a biography about him, and it was like weird how connected I was. Like, he was like, everyone always made fun of him for having a baby face. People have made fun of me my whole life for a baby face. Hmm. Rosy red cheeks, cowlicks. The reason I have a comb over is because I have a giant cowlick. Everybody made fun of him for calling him cheap. <laughs> he was making money super early. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is the guy. Like, I want to yeah, emulate is, this him. This is me, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a second. So this guy literally puts money somewhere, does nothing and makes millions of dollars. And I'm out like working nonstop, sweating, make, you know, 50 hours a week. Yeah. hundred degrees. Yeah. Cutting grass. And then that's when I learned about investing. I'm like, this is crazy. This is the coolest thing ever. I want to do this. 
Um, so made my first investment right out of high school. Uh, bought my first mutual fund. Um, wow. And uh, took that basically and was obsessed at that point. I was looking at it every day. I'm not I was even sure guy. I know how to buy a mutual fund right now. Did you buy it on your own or did yeah. you go? Through, when, you once you're go 18, uh, yeah. you could go, I went through Vanguard. My dad had an account and yeah. he helped me kind of set everything up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just uh, would look at it every day. I was like, all right, is it up? Is it down? Oh, I made a penny. I made $2. I lost $2. And I was like, this is So this, this is, is at really 18? Cool. Yeah, so yeah, this is at 18 right after high school. Um, and then, uh, you know, I... I Commuted to college all four years at, at Pitt. Nice. Um, I didn't want to take out any school loans, so I was paying my tuition each year in cash um, from working part-time and saving up. Uh, wow. And I kind of ran out of money to invest with, obviously, between the money that's going to tuition. Well, you were investing and, in education, we can well, say, that right? too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly an investment there. Uh, but I, you know, obviously you don't make too, too much money on part-time jobs going to school. Uh, so basically I got to a point where all my money was either invested or going to, to school. And um, I wanted to learn about other investments and different business ideas. And I just was reading a lot, searching on YouTube, and I came across just real estate. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I never thought that would really be a good fit because um, I knew nothing about construction. Like, um, literally until a few years ago, I could barely change a light bulb. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I still can't. So. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm finally like an adult. I feel like you should be like somewhat productive and capable of doing this. So yeah. I started teaching myself. I can but. put the ladder there so my wife can change it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a good setup. <laughs> Leave the box of light bulbs there. Yeah. <laughs> Just give him a hand. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I didn't think real estate would make sense, but um, I started learning about wholesaling. And this was probably my sophomore year. Um, I this was really when it was new. Like people didn't talk about this. It, it didn't even really have a name back then. Just like some couple guys on YouTube and podcasts. So I, uh, I started doing that. It took me about six months of trying to figure out how to do a real estate deal. And um, I, I remember watching the videos and they'd say like, hey, find a list of pre-foreclosures. You could search online. You mean, hey, you mean Pitt wasn't teaching you how to do it? They were not. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Yeah, right. I, I got a degree in accounting, so I learned about numbers, but that was about you it. You have an accounting degree? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes, sir. Wow. I was just going to ask that. I was curious what you actually went to school. Yeah. yeah. I went to I school. If I could redo it, I'd probably go back for finance specifically because that was my goal. But um, after talking to like my parents and a couple people, they're like, accounting's like the lifeblood of business and money if you don't know for sure what you want to go into. Um, so I decided just to go that, and now I know about the financial statements, which is super helpful in, in yep, business and investing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I always like talking about this story. This was like my first experience with real estate was I watched all these videos and I was always kind of fearless. Like I didn't care if I messed up. I just wanted to like go do it. Um, so they'd be like, all right, find these lists of pre foreclosures and you can go out to these people. That means they're behind on their, their payments and maybe you could, you know, Go up, say, hey, I'll buy your house in cash and find an investor. So I had a couple people that I met that like through a friend or family that like, hey, I buy a couple properties, right? Yep. I was like, okay, I have some people. I'm going to try to find a deal now. So I had no idea what I was looking for, had no idea what ARV was and like the good yeah. price points and all that. And I went up to like a nice neighbor, like these are probably like $250,000 houses and just saw it was like pre-foreclosure. So I literally just like knocked on the door and I was just like, hey, so I saw you were uh, behind By the way, payments. for the record, <laughs> it, it takes a lot of courage to do that in general, especially as a sophomore in college, knocking on yeah. doors, love that, right? Knocking on doors as a sophomore in college, telling someone you're going to buy, you know, you're interested right? in buying <laughs> their house. Ridiculous. Yeah. And in my sure. head, I'm thinking back and it's funny, but like I just 
for some reason, I was like, hey, I see this is what you're supposed to do. I'm just going to go do yeah, it. You were money hungry. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I also had even less of a poor attempt at a beard then. I had literally nothing. So I looked like I was like 15. Yeah. Well, I still can't grow one. So, <laughs> so I go up to these people and the lady answers and I give my little spiel. I'm like, hey, so I saw your house up for pre-foreclosure. You're behind on payments. I could help buy this in cash, get it off, you know, uh, relieve your issues with that. And she literally goes, you look like you're 15. You're not buying anything. And just slams the door. I was just like, well, that didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> first first real, real no in real estate. Yeah. So um, long story short, I learned, had bumps and bruises for about six months, was going out trying to find leads. Uh, finally did my first deal. I closed it. I made like 400 bucks. Like it was not worth it at all. But it was like one of the happiest days of my life because I like yeah, did closed this. the deal. Yeah. Was it, a whole, was it anything exciting about it or just... It was a turd in McKee Sport for like four thousand dollars, and I wholesaled it for like forty five hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was not good. Um, but then after that, uh, at the time I was still working and going to school, and um, about a couple months later, I stuck with it. I'm like, all right, I could do one. I'll just keep going. Uh, a couple months later, I did three in one month, made like six grand. I'm like, well, that's what I would have made the whole rest of this year working part time. So I, if I do nothing and just save this, I'll be good. Yeah. So I decided to quit. Um, all my other jobs and uh, just decided to do that full time and was doing at that point. I, by the end of the year, I was starting probably like 10 to 15 deals, uh, got up to like 20 deals a year, mostly small stuff, like a grand or two grand at a time, had yeah. a couple big ones. Um, and then took that money, started doing flips, realized that I had no construction. Re really background. quick, right? I want to get right back into yeah. this and continue to hear the story. Right. But I gotta, I gotta take this as an opportunity here. Right. Give me right cool story about how you got into real estate and wholesaling is there advice based on what you thinking back right because i have you in the moment yeah that you would give other people from an from an advice standpoint if they want to get started in real estate how to do it or what to do or what what, what is the advice yeah. you would give them right now so in any business but specifically real estate i find that you should focus on what's your skill set first what do you really enjoy and what do you understand because any business whether it's real estate finance um you know anything out there, you're going to have a lot of troubles. It's very difficult to get rolling no matter what it is. So if you find something that you think you already understand and that you'd be good at, that's probably the best thing to double down on. Um, so for me, I didn't have money to, to invest. So I was like, okay, I can't buy properties. I know nothing about construction, but I can go out and hustle. I could find things. So wholesaling made sense. Got it. So cool. in real estate, I always think it makes sense to learn from your time first. Right, so whether it's becoming an agent or wholesaling or property management or something like that, you're just trading your time for money and you're learning along the way that you could then take to start acquiring properties. Yeah, right, I always say you're getting paid to get an education. 100%. How, do, how can you fail at getting, you're getting money to get an education on how to learn about real estate. It's, exactly. It's the best of all worlds, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure, love that. So that was pretty much the approach I took. Um, didn't really have other options. And uh, uh, so I decided to start doing flips because I had done so many of these wholesale deals. I didn't know anything about construction. I partnered up with someone um, and did a couple deals like 50-50 that they had some experience. And I uh, didn't really make enough for it. Like it was, I didn't like the stress of like no income coming in and crap, is this going to sell? And then you have these inspections and all that stuff. Yeah. Like I made some decent money with it, but it wasn't enough for, it wasn't a good fit with my temperament, I guess. At the time, how did you pick your partners? Uh, he was someone I was wholesaling properties to. And I already had built that relationship and he was flipping houses. So I was like, I'll put up money and like find a deal if you could like help run this for me. Yeah, makes sense. So, um, so yeah, I, I then kind of shifted more towards acquiring rentals. 
uh, started buying a couple rental properties. And then at that point, I was getting ready to graduate. Um, so you own rentals in college? Yeah, I had uh, Man, two houses, cool. I think. That's great. Yeah. Yep. So uh, kind of continued with that. I was still focused on finance. My end goal was to become a financial advisor. Uh, so I ended up taking a job. I had a bunch of different offers, and I decided to go with a firm here in Pittsburgh, New York Life, down at Station Square. Um, the thought process was I could learn insurance and investments um, and kind of like be more tactical with helping people with their finances instead of just like the stock guy. Uh, worked there for a few years, ended up realizing that they just wanted me to basically pitch insurance products. That's and they had, yeah, that's primary life insurance. Right. It ended up being more the going in. It was kind of the idea. They were like, yeah, we have people that could help you with investments and insurance and we could do them. But it was always focused on like, hey, sell this insurance stuff. And, you know, I did well. They taught me how to sell and I did well for a few years, but I didn't like that. I wanted to just do like what's best for people and like work back. Why did you decide to take a job, right? I mean, I know where you wanted to be, but like, I mean, you were clearly starting to have a good amount of success on your own in real estate. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah, you still decided to graduate and go get a job in corporate America, if you will, right? So, so what, it ended what, up how, being what was that? percent commission. So it was like running my own business. Okay. So that's, okay. that's the thing that most people don't realize is a lot of, like there was firms that offered me salary options, but uh, it, I just, you know, looking back, I kind of regret the decision, but I decided to go with them. Just the location, the feel, the management, all that stuff. But it was So 100%. you were still eating what you killed as if you were, yeah. yeah. Yep, makes sense then. Tell you something, so my first memory of meeting you, you came to our office, I think, in at KW. Right when I started, you you were probably just starting out. Yeah. To, you did a little little life insurance speech in front of probably 10 of us. Yeah. Yep. So I was like, dude, actually presents pretty pretty good. It, it sounded interesting. And I was like, I want no parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I sat through it. I, I, I would always sit through them all. So I, I do remember you coming presenting. You like you did a great job. I was like, oh, dude, actually, Carrie. Like, I, I would have bought your product. I appreciate that. If like, the product yeah. made sense. Yeah, if it made yeah, sense. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, handsome, handsome dude. He's speaking well. I was like, you presented, like, very well. You could tell you did that, like, often. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that was. I was like, he's a decent salesman. Back in the day, man, yeah, you, that's, that was the one thing that really taught me a lot is, like, that's grimy. Not grimy, but, like, that's tough sales. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. one, you're coming out. <clears throat> I was 20, 21, 22. Um, I was getting all my licenses for financial advising and one, I looked like I'm 16 still, like everybody call me baby Doug at the office. Like it's just, I looked young, baby you're, Doug, you're literally, you're <laughs> you up shouldn't have told me that <laughs> <laughs> you're going up and you're talking to these people that are like, hopefully like 50, 60 years old that have a lot of money. And you're like, yeah, I can help you on your retirement and managing all your life savings. They're like, dude, you're like 17 years old. You like, how are you going to help me? You don't know anything about money yet. Yeah. Um, so that was, and on top of that, just talking about money in general is really like a difficult conversation. A subject, like, yeah. yeah, like money and politics, right? Like those are the things that are like tough conversations, but, um, but yeah, so I learned a lot by just getting shut down, continuing to go, con you know, I learned a lot about consistency with sales and just, yeah. How was, what was that? What was that like, you know, kind of training your mindset there? Um, like I said, I was just kind of fearless regardless. Like I didn't look at it cause I thought I was adding value. So to me, I was like, I know I'm going to help people. And I know a lot about this stuff cause I'd been dedicating my life to it for, you know, four or five years at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's fine. If they say no, I'm just going to keep going to the next one. Cause it wasn't like you believed in the product. Yeah, I believed, And it wasn't like I was just pitching insurance. Like I was doing, trying to do financial planning for people, but they just in the back of their mind, it was always like, Hey, 
do more of these product sales, like if you could fit it in kind of thing. And, <clears throat> you know, I didn't like that. Um, after a few years, I was making good money. Uh, I was still buying rental properties and then I expanded into private lending. That's when I first got introduced to that. Um, and uh, decided to, after I think it was three or four years, um, decided I'm like, I'm done. I want to set up my own shop at this point. So uh, that's when I started up uh, Sterling Heights Financial Group with a business partner of mine. We were both at New York Life together. And we decided to set up our own independent firm. And that was me being very naive looking back. So I this is four or five years out of college you decided that? Yeah, I was uh, 26, I think. Okay. Yeah. 20, back in 2018, yeah. Um, so we, I didn't realize anything about the contracts I had signed. I didn't understand too much about the products and how a lot of it kind of required the, the clients to keep their money there. And like, I couldn't go after existing contacts for years and so on and so forth. And also didn't know how expensive it was to run a firm between the softwares and compliance and all these things. Um, so that was a tough time. That was back. I literally had like taken all that income away and like started from scratch. So like this nice book of business I built, I basically could take maybe like 10% of it. So started from scratch again. And then- Yeah, now I mean, not only that, right? It's your relationships you have. Yeah, that was the hardest yeah, thing is yeah. my, yeah, the normal people are, are basically gone. Um, so we, we worked with uh, a broker dealer just for the audience. Kind of what a broker dealer is, is they like help you operate your firm. They handle the compliance and <clears throat> um, a lot of like the softwares and the custodial accounts for your, you know, your clients and, ACH and all that stuff, kind of similar to like what Remax would be in a way, comparing it to real estate. Yep. Um, and it was just a horrible fit. Like we got teased on like, hey, this is what you'll make on this. And this is your percentage payouts. And here's the expenses. And here's how things operate. And it was just a nightmare. It was not wow. what we were expecting. Um, so we were there for a year, started building that up, and then basically had to leave there and start from scratch again. Because you signed a contract with the, yeah. with the broker dealer. And then that's when I learned, all right, I'm going to learn the ins and outs of how this works, all the legalities, all that stuff. And we found a really good uh, company that handles all our back office now. We own the whole book. If I want to leave and do something else, I own it's all your my, book. Yeah, so we own everything now, 100%. Let me, let me, let me dive in for a quick question here, right? Yeah. Like why, you know, obviously you had all the entrepreneurial itch in the real estate space doing a lot of that. Why, you know, why did you continue all those years down that? I mean, obviously that was tough, right? You had to leave. Yeah. Twice. I mean, your job started your own failed and like, we're going to keep going like, like mentally. Right. I feel like, why are you so invested in trying to create a financial, you know, advisory shop? Because that's what I knew I wanted to do since I was like 19. Okay. It was just like my thing. Um, I could talk about this stuff. all day. You love money. Day, you want to manage money. I love managing money. Like if I could, create a dream lifestyle, it would be that I have hundreds of millions of dollars to oversee. No one tells me what to do, no compliance, no red tape, and I literally do what I want with that money. Cool. That's like what I wanted to do. Makes sense. So, yeah, so you're determined, right? So yeah. you keep going. Yep, yep, yep. That cool. was pretty much it. And um, it's also a, a great lifestyle. Once you have the business built, like it's a nightmare the first several years building that up because you're making like no money, you're in awkward conversations, it's like tough sales, but once you build that book of business, it's recurring revenue, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I click a couple buttons and buy some th things on my computer. I could do that at the beach, I could do that in you know, downtown here, you yeah. could go wherever. Um, so I kind of, I saw that. I saw people that had made a good lifestyle, made a lot of money doing that, even at a younger age, and I was like, you know what, that still is a good business. Cool. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, continued growing that. Still run that today. Um, and then 
about a year after that, I started uh, looking. I was really active in Pittsburgh, just networking all the time because you have to to find, you know, clients. And um, I started finding a lot of small businesses that they would ask for my help and advice because I was growing companies. And I was like, you know what? My end goal is to have my own little Berkshire Hathaway and own a bunch of companies. Um, so I started looking at investing in companies. Invested in a, um, a marketing agency way back. Uh, this was like before social media marketing like really blew up. Yep. I think we might've worked with you guys at some point for some stuff back, back in the day. But we, we brought like the idea of like the drone video shoots. We were like one of the first companies to start doing that. Okay. Um, so these two younger guys, they were doing a bunch of marketing and advertising. I'm like, hey, I could cross sell this with other businesses. So I made an investment in that. Um, that was my first investment, helped them grow that out. We were doing real well. We were working with everyone from like Taylor Gang to Alfa Romeo, Fiat, a lot of real estate brokerages. Um, that was going good. And then the partners both kind of fell off and they had like some personal issues and like uh, kind of brought down the business. Uh, they were, you know, he was taking money out and wasn't working and doing the work for clients. And it was giving me a bad rep at that point, which mattered more than the money. Um, so I just told my attorney, I was like, dissolve my shares, get me out of this. I paid people out of my own pocket, like paid people back. Um, <clears throat> so that it was really good and then not so good. So I got my first experience investing in businesses. Uh, and then since then I invested in uh, Secretos, which is the first authentic Puerto Rican restaurant in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And that one has gone really well. Uh, great culture, a lot of cool stuff that we've done with that. And I'm hoping to double down on the private equity side. Love it. Love it. So that's where we're at today. Yeah. So what, so let's dive in a little bit here now, right? Do you, so the money you're managing, right? Is it, it, it the, what's the name of the, the your financial firm? Uh, Sterling Heights Financial Group. So you're able to keep the name? Oh yeah. It's all our independent name. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So are you mostly in the, in the stock market then with your clients yeah. or what, how, what's that look like for you? Give, give us a little bit more into the in-depth sure. kind of view of what that industry looks like for you specifically and how that all kind of plays. Yeah. So it's, it's constantly evolving, but I started out um, just getting all my licenses to do anything from insurance to wealth management, retirement planning, like everything. That way I could do any product basically. So well, I mean, how many licenses? I mean, is that like, I have six licenses, six right licenses. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So each product line has its own license. Has its own. That's yep. I'm assuming some get, harder, easier, right? Yeah. Get, some depending. are like a six hour test. Some are like a three hour test. Got so, um, so yeah, I, I could do pretty much anything, but we've went through so many segments. Like first it was like, uh, you know, newlyweds, right? Cause like I was younger, I was like, that's cool. And then we went to like real estate agents was like a big market and then like business owners. And I learned how all of them operate, how profitable it is for us, you know, working with those different people and temperaments of those people. And then we finally landed on our sweet spot now is we strictly work with wealth management and retirement clients. Okay. So um, ideal client is maybe like two to 250,000 that we can manage those assets, whether it's someone retiring, we'll roll over their 401ks or like a higher net worth business owner that we can manage some of those assets, you know, or they sold a business and we can help them oversee that. So we're pretty much strictly um, managing assets at this point. We could still do insurance, but we kind of outsource that to a broker that we have. Got it. <clears throat> okay. So you're most, in, and so is it all in the market then, or is it whatever you want to do? Uh, so we could do financial planning, which is just like consulting and guidance, like charging for our time. Uh, we also do just traditional investments in the market. And then, you know, I kind of have recently extended out to I've been focusing on learning about investment banking and private equity more. Uh, so we're trying to get into that field where we could work on like actually assisting and advising on the buying and selling of companies 
Uh, I'm doing my first one now. It's like a $14 million uh, manufacturing plant. Um, so that's kind of the next step is getting more in the private markets. Are you, are you seller repping or are you buyer repping on that? Right now, it's more so just advising, okay. uh, kind of like a strategic You're advisor. advising the seller on how to prepare to uh, sell? This one is a buyer at this okay. point, but I do have a seller we, we might be working with. Um, so it's, it's kind of a Wild West industry. It's like you, you find buying and selling companies outside of Wall Street is very, uh, like, I don't want to say nonchalant, but it's, it's not very strictly operated how it is in the wealth management world. So I kind of like that a little bit more. There's, you know, more play to work with, with different companies and operations and whether it's on the, the buy side, the sell side or capital raising and all these different things. So that's kind of the next transition here to add that. So what about real estate nowadays? Yeah, so I still love real estate. I have my portfolio. Um, I trimmed it down a little bit last year, basically uh, like first or second quarter of last year, I just saw the writing on the wall, like interest rates were going to keep going up. It didn't make sense to keep buying. These prices were crazy. Everyone and their mother's trying to buy. It's going to be more expensive inflation. And I just stopped. I was just like, I don't have a need to buy real estate. Like I don't have to. So I just look at what's the best asset class at that point in time. Like I'm not really um, emotional one way or the other. Mm -hmm. If it's real estate for four years, I'll go all in on real estate. If it's stocks, you know, um, so yeah, I just stopped buying. I uh, focused on refinancing, making sure all my stuff was locked in uh, before the big rate hikes. Uh, I redid a lot of my existing rentals, increased rents, got some not so good tenants out, and just kind of like cut down the portfolio a bit to make it more lean. Yeah. Um, but I am looking to try to get back in here relatively soon. I just haven't bought anything since. Okay. And now what about you know your, the investment side of things into real estate aside from your active stuff? Yeah, so still do the lending. Obviously, uh, shout out to you guys. One of, one of the companies I've invested in as a lender, and it's been awesome. Um, private money lending has been great. Uh, you know, I don't have significant amount of money, but it's just like personal savings that I allocate a portion to. And to be honest, that's paid either my mortgage or my rent since like 2019. Wow. So it's, it's awesome. I love it. Right. So you're just using your own personal capital and lending it out. As of now, um, I, I will have like some people that will come to me that want to get involved in that side or, or potential clients. And I'll like kind of broker deals like with you guys um, or some other people I feel comfortable connecting them to. So I've brokered a ton of deals as well. Um, but as of right now, it's just been my capital lent out. And uh, hopefully down the road, I'd like to set up my own hedge fund uh, so I could focus on either lending money, acquiring businesses or acquiring re uh, real estate, just have like one fund that can. Yeah. So let me, let me, I was, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to dive into that a little bit. Right. Cause yeah. obviously you do a couple broker deals here and there, right. That, you know, we're aware of in terms of someone has capital, right. And you connect the dots for mm -hmm. them. Is that all you're doing because you can't manage money and lend it. Right. And so become a true hard money lender with other people's capital as well. Like what's that right? Because in our industry, right, as, as operators of as, as a big operator in real estate space, we, you know, generally speaking, don't uh, don't find nice play with financial advisors, right? Sure. Because yeah. most financial advisors really try to steer their clients away from real estate investment because yep. they don't make capital on it, right? right? And it's 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 really unfortunate for the actual client, mm -hmm. right? I agree, hundred percent. Because the, the the client's losing out on real estate investment deals because the financial advisors not going to make They're money to if, if they push them there. Right. And it's a big problem, in my opinion, in the financial advisor industry, because you should have a fiduciary duty for your client to do its best. I know you, generally speaking, we had a lot of conversations right around just, you know, how you do push a lot of clients, right. And, and to, 
if it's a great deal for them into to real yeah. estate investment because you love real estate investment. So what's your take on what I just said and how yeah. that all, all kind of unfolds? So I agree 100%. And uh, it was one of the things that I found to be kind of frustrating. Um, so there is different real estate investments in the market. Like you could invest in REITs, you can invest in a bunch of different asset classes that kind of give you the feel of real estate, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So technically you, if someone's like, hey, I want real estate exposure, in a way you can do that in the financial markets. But to your point, um, like it makes sense as an overall investor to have, when I look at investing, I, look at, I looked at the, the wealthiest investors in the world. Like when I was younger and I was starting, I was like, what do these guys do? They, inv they own businesses, they invest in real estate and they invest in the financial markets. So I was like, if all these people are doing that, those are the three I should do too. So mm -hmm. I focused that for myself. And to your point, as a, an advisor, we're incentivized to you know, keep all those assets, right? But, and I honestly make a lot less than probably most advisors because I'm not super concerned about that. I would rather do what's best for someone, even if I make no money, if I could put them into a good investment that makes sense or connect them to someone, even if I'm not even managing the money, I'd rather people look at me and say, wow, like they really helped me because I'll make the money over on referrals and people connecting to me, you know? So, yeah. so we don't have a problem with that. Um, but it has to make sense too. So if someone's really concerned with liquidity, the downfall with real estate is that you can't click a button and turn it to cash. Correct. Yeah. And it's a ton of risk. Like long-term it's not, but for the average everyday person, that's like, Hey, I'm not really used to investing. I have a hundred thousand dollars. I want to put into something. I have no experience doing this. With the stock market, if things go bad, you could still cash out and have an ACH in your bank by the end of the week. In real estate, if you don't, you still have to pay the mortgage, you still have to pay utilities, you still have to deal with contractors. Like you could literally go bankrupt from that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a different feel um, and it's not for everyone. Uh, so I think that's generally why people would stick more to the traditional because it, one, they've just been raised on it, right? Like you've had your 401k forever. So like they're used to that. But there's that concern if you're not in construction or if you're not in business, that it's it, it can kind of feel a little bit more risky. But to me, I like it. I think that everyone should have exposure to real estate. I think people should have exposure to private equity. I think people should have exposure to the stock market. It's just Yeah, but how do you how do you go about having those conversations with with folks with capital, right? Where yep. you know, you're not you're I, I mean it's you're incentivized not to push it in real estate, right? You're incentivized to manage their money. Mm-hmm. How, how do you go about those conversations? Do you just go about educating them? Is that to play? Like I, I just, it's it to yep. me, the industry just seems so interesting right now, right? From that standpoint. So how do you actually go about having those conversations? I, I basically reverse engineer every conversation. I don't sell anything at this point. I literally just have a conversation. Tell me like characteristics of what you want to see with your money. Do you want income? Do you want growth? Do you want access to it? Are you very risk adverse? I just want to know what Love they that. want to accomplish. And then you work backwards, there's unlimited investment options. And I just go through a Rolodex and say, okay, this person wants monthly income. They want the money in this many years. They want this, this. Here's the four things that would probably fit that. And then if they're like, hey, you know, I just really like the stock market and I'm used to this and I, I want to know that I have access to it. Okay, cool. We'll look at things over here. And people will be straight up and they'll say like, I would love to learn about real estate and get involved in real estate and say, okay, cool. Either maybe I could find opportunities to work with my company or I could pass them off to you guys or, you know, other people that we work with financing. Um, so it's just, it's just a conversation. Like it's not sales at all. Like I don't care where they put the money. I'm just happy they're working with me. Um, and at this point we've actually become more selective. I'd, I'm, I'd rather work now with like 
a smaller amount of very, very high net worth clients than like hundreds and hundreds of smaller clients. Not because I don't enjoy it, but it's because like with smaller amounts of money, you're very limited on what you can do, right? You can only make $50,000 go so far. Mm-hmm. But if you have five, $10 million, I could say, hey, I can help you build a real estate portfolio. We could do private equity here. and We can invest in the market here. And then it's like my playground. I'm like, hey, I have access to everything now. Yeah. What's the, uh, you know, what's the strategy to lead gen on that side, right? Or just in general for your business? I mean, across all of the board and everything you have going on, whether it's, you know, your investment side in real estate, your investment side in, you know, business, your, your financial advisory side, right? Like what, what's, what's your lead gen strategies? So in financial advising and wealth management, I would say, in my opinion, it's the hardest industry out there out of everything I've dealt with. Not because of like the day-to-day operations, but because it is the hardest thing to get business. It's, I swear it's designed that way. Not only are you regulated like beyond belief, I literally cannot even put on my Instagram like financial advisor. Wow. I'm not even legally allowed to do that. It's, uh, I'm not allowed to post on certain things on like, I cannot say anything about any security, any recommendation. I have to basically everything I post on the internet has to go through a compliance to see if I'm allowed to even post it. And then they legalize it down to where it's so broad that nobody cares to even read it. Like it's not, you know, flashing eye catching. So you're basically limited to almost no marketing unless you're like sending letters, which again goes through compliance or you're working off referrals. So it's such a difficult way to get leads in general. And then on top of it, you're trying to ask people for their money. It's an incredibly competitive industry because there's so many advisors. And then on top of it, I'm younger. So if you add all that together, it is like, in my opinion, the hardest way to build a business. Um, but outside of that, uh, I do a lot of social media and you know networking and stuff like that for just other businesses and just meeting people. Mm-hmm. Cause you never So know. you're using your other avenues in order to create leads for yourself. Kind of, yeah. That's that how it ended up being, yeah. Because okay. I was so limited over here. So I was like, all right, I'll at least get in the room and meet people for all these other things. And if I can work with them on one way, maybe I could cross sell them on this. Is that because so you can't you can't generate any leads through social media, like saying that, hey, I advise people to To, to a degree, like it's very limited. Like it's like very broad, like, Hey, here's a general tip on like retirement. Yeah. And then like maybe someone responds hopefully. And like, maybe they'll reach out to you. That's about it. Yep. Got it. Yeah. So it, it makes it really tough. No, that's awesome, man. Right. So, I mean, I think for me, I, I, I always think about time, right? We all only have an equal amount of time, 24 hours in a day. And like listening to your entire story, incredible. Right. And, and, a lot of adversity, clearly, right, which I want to dive into next. But the first thing I really want to get into here quickly is, right, like, how do you decide, you know, where you're going to be spending your time, whether that's the lead gen side on the, mm-hmm. on the, you know, the wealth management, or whether that's the, some more real estate stuff, whether it's all the other things you dabble in business <laughs> investment, and, you know, networking, all that. like, how do you decide, right? Like, how you spend your time? Honestly, that's my biggest downfall is I have that shiny object syndrome bad. Like, I'll be like, oh, I can make money over here. And then, hey, there's a lead over here. I could do this and then do this. And the lack of, it, it was always focused towards an end goal of like being an asset manager and managing money and investing, but it was just all over the map. Um, so that's been tough for me. I've now learned so much that I've kind of filtered down and said, okay, this is like the top three things that I want to do with my time long term. But that's always been a problem. Um, I learned to outsource pretty early on. Like, I actually never managed a property until like, this year. Okay. 
like day one, I had property management for yeah. one house. Yeah. Cause I just looked at, I was like, I don't know anything about this. I don't want to deal with this. I'll pay someone. I'm going to look at this as a long-term wealth builder. Like I'm not super concerned about getting paid this month. So I basically day one, all right, outsource management there. And then I knew nothing about construction. So I had GC like contractors day one. Um, and then expanding that to like wealth management. Like we have, we invested in like a higher end tech platform. So it's like much easier for managing my time. Like mm -hmm. I'm, Unless I'm talking to clients, like I spend maybe 30 minutes a day max on my practice. Wow. Yeah. And so you have a partner? Yes. Yep. And so how does that work from a partner dynamics, right? Because, you know, we've never had really a ton of issues, but, you know, when you have partners that could lead into the issues of like, you're working more than me, I'm working more than you, yeah. or I'm getting paid more. What, like, how does, what's that dynamic we've, been like honestly, for you? Man, and, and, and all of your businesses, yeah, right? Yeah, like, I've had some bad partnerships and I can go into that too, but um, it's, been good um him and i worked together at new york life we were already like kind of friends at that point and uh and he has he's older than me so he had more experience uh on the asset management wealth management side but we we play off each other's skills like he's probably more a little bit more laid back and can be more helpful in like the operations that he'll do on the day-to-day -day. and i'm more like outgoing like i'm gonna go do business development and find new clients and like do this that and the third so it's worked really well um we've I can't maybe one or two arguments like ever in That's our practice. Great. Yeah. yeah. So you said it, so I'm obviously going to have to dive into it now, right? Bad partnerships hit us yeah. with something good. Yeah. So the, the marketing agency, that one was a tough one because we were like on track to just skyrocket. Like we were doing six figures our first like 12 months. Did you use them? We did use them before. Where? It, I think I was at RE. 360. Yeah, that was back the in the day. Yeah. yeah, I think we use you guys for at least a video or probably like photo shoots and video shoots. That's basically what it was primarily. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was like doing so good. And like, honestly, if, if I could look back at anything like that one would have taken off more than any of my companies. Like it was high margins. You literally were marketing as a business. So like you could just blow yourself up. Like we were really well known around Pittsburgh for a while. Um, and then it just uh, the one partner, he moved back home. Um, and he left. Uh, so we were down to just myself. And I wasn't supposed to be in the business at all. I was just like building relationships, generating business and yeah, then business handling the financial right? stuff. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Um, and then th we were like kind of keeping afloat. And then the main one running it, he kind of had like some issues personally. Uh, so it was just to a point where like we were getting a bad reputation at that point and the money was going down quickly. People were leaving and I, care more about my reputation than the money so just the fact that people were like saying like yeah doug's part of this business and you know they i feel like i got screwed over i'm like i can't deal with that yeah um so was growing very quickly then was falling very quickly and then i didn't even get a buyout i just was like just take take my shares i just need to be out yeah and then obviously the business probably went under after that I would yeah imagine. i don't know what happened to be honest I, i'm not sure where it's at at this yeah. point i've never heard of them so i i mean i don't know if they're around or not but uh, yeah you know the, yeah, why, no. why not more marketing then I mean, if you, if you thought you guys had the, the, or thought you right in your partners at the time, why not just find new partners? Tried doing that and it fell through again. Really? Uh, yeah. I had someone else that kind of similar setup. I was bringing business. He was like the creative, like running it and then got burned by him. Uh, he was basically taking my customers and not getting paid out and it wasn't paying me. So I was like, at this point, I'm like, I'm just so sick of this. Like it's grimy. Um, I just went back to focusing on the finance and real estate. Got it. Yeah. So, right. I want to get into mindset here for a minute you know, a lot going on, really cool career, entrepreneurial career, right? And doing so much different things, right? Tons of highs, ups and downs, right? Kind of on this own world by yourself. You've always though had this kind of goal and, and path to where you wanted to be. 
why don't you take us into your mindset a little bit on, on, on that journey and how you've been able to kind of really keep a steady head and keep kind yeah. of always moving forward no matter what? Yes. I mean, I've certainly thought about quitting hundreds of times, as I'm sure you guys have. Like, you just have those bad days. You're like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically, I got lucky early on because I found what I wanted to do very early. Like, I knew investing was what I wanted to do right after high school. And I've just been, like, trying to polish my skills and kind of perfect that craft and it's what I enjoy doing. Like I'm obsessed with it. So to me, it doesn't matter if I lose money or if I don't make money, like this is what I do for fun. Like I'll come home and read books on business and investing. I'll watch videos of, you know, business and investing. I don't really care too much about what's going on with sports or this out of third. So for me, it's like, it's not even like a job. Like it's just what I enjoy doing. Um, so even if things are tough and, and things aren't going so well, it's still what I like to do anyway. So there's just no reason to quit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just kind of had that, like, that's that North star, like, this is what I know I want to do. I have no idea how I'm going to get there. Cause I never had a mentor, which is like the biggest thing I wish I had, but I've never had like someone that runs a billion dollar hedge fund, right. Or a private equity fund on wall street. Like I made the mistake of not going to New York. I stayed around Pittsburgh and, um, I've just kind of been winging it, trying to figure it out on my own, to be honest. Yeah. Wow, that's, I think we're all trying to figure it out forever, right? <laughs> that's the that's the goal. But no, I do love watching. I mean, you've always, you know, you're always out there, right? You're always in that marketplace. You're always moving and pushing forward and finding new things. And I think to your point, you nailed it, right? The the shiny object syndrome, like we oh, all yeah. have it. So how, so how do you deal with that? I'm still trying to deal with it. Yeah. I, I've gotten a bit better. Um, I It's bad and it's good at the same time. It's bad because like you're not focused and to be really successful, like you guys, you doubt in, you're like, this is what we want to do. This is the Burr model. We're doubling down on buying these properties and like you've killed it, right? I know for a fact I'd be way wealthier, have way more money if I had totally doubt in on one thing, without a doubt. But I enjoy doing many things. I can't just do the same thing every day. And I've also learned so much that now I basically have this experience that I could go into any business and I've learned all these little pieces that I can go in in like a month and understand the ins and outs of it to a level of basically the CEO. Mm -hmm. So that's going to help me in my end goal, which is more of like the private equity, like acquiring businesses, investing in companies to where I could basically just copy and paste instead of my rental portfolio. I'm going to have a business portfolio. Do you ever get overwhelmed? I did, but I've outsourced so much. Like I was at a point in my late twenties that I was like partially retired to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, like I said, the recurring revenue, the financial practice, it's not super time intensive. My properties were mostly outsourced. I'm not buying like five a month. Like, you know, once they were settled, they were taken care of my money's lent out and I'm getting my monthly income. So I was, so you created in your early twenties, essentially enough passive income to live off of. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, so that was always my goal. Actually, it wasn't necessarily the hedge fund and all that until later on early on, I was like, I just want to get to a point where I don't have to work anymore to pay my bills. Like that's was the coolest thing ever. To me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool, right? Because so many people out there think you need to make X dollars, like a lot of money in order to, to be able to do that. Right. And we always talk about how to get financially free mm-hmm. and people think you need to make millions of dollars to become financially free. And I think that that's such a, a, a it's a lie. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, you can make, you know, and I have no idea what you made, right? I'm sure you did well, right? Passively and all those different things. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, being financially free or being, you know, being financially independent is essentially making enough passive income to cover your bills. And so if your bills aren't, you know, six Porsches and, you know, 18,000 square foot home, like it's not too difficult. It's not too difficult to do that. Right. Um, So that's, 
it's really cool, right? Because not lot, not many people take that journey that you've taken where it's like, hey, I'm going to live and then create passive income to cover that. And then as passive income grows, right, right. then my expenses can grow. And then that's whatever exactly I'm doing it. actively is kind of fun. That, that's right? basically what it was. It was the point where I could work if I felt like it. And the one mistake I did was I focused, like I've lived like I was broke forever. Like I had like, in my early 20s, I had no debt, like six figure portfolio real estate, um, was making six figures. Like I had like an easy lifestyle and I would literally drive like a 10 year old beat up car, holes in my socks. Like I'm not exactly. Yeah, you aren't at the bar spending the only $40 in your bank account like I was. I would get drunk, then go to the bar, get one drink to tide me over. And then like, yeah, just keep it moving. Shots of Joaquin's vodka or whatever the heck it was, right? $11, half gallons. Yep. Yeah, so I've I've just lived really cheap because I always wanted to put the money in investing. Like I like nice fancy things, don't get me wrong, but like that wasn't necessarily the motive. Um, but looking back, I wish I doubled down on reinvesting that in businesses to generate more income. I would always suck the income out and live broke, but put all that into an investment. But it was just such smaller amounts of money that the investments really weren't that large to make sense. If I would have doubled down and invested a smaller amount into the companies and like turn them into like seven, eight figure incomes, then I could have been like one month, I buy these three houses, next month I buy a business. So it took a lot longer to get to the point where there was that yeah. excess income um, to reinvest. But I mean, I don't yeah. regret it, but if I could go back, I would focus more on the income. So yeah, we're, we're obviously right focused you know, our, our visions to get to a billion dollars in assets under management, right? So we're incredibly focused on that, but certainly from a, a shiny object syndrome, we chat often, right? Buying businesses, right? It's the, it's the shiny object we have. And it's um, the next step from real estate, man. It's very, yeah, for sure. Parallel. Right. Yeah. My question though, right. Is as we start to, you know, dabble in the education side of it only right now yeah. and, and learn like, what is the right way to be structuring a deal so that capital comes back, right? And I mean, I'm a huge Shark Tank guy, so I've watched yeah. every single way in the world they try to structure on yep. there. But I'm curious, to, right, in reality, what's that look yeah. like, right? So maybe deals you've done before or whatever, right? Like, how do you structure something so you figure out a way to make sure your capital makes sense? Or how that distribution channel, like what, like what's that look like? So what's really cool about investing and buying businesses is it's literally whatever you want. Like it is the reason investment bankers and attorneys, SEC attorneys make so much money is because there's hundreds of like iterations of like changing the deal back and forth. Real estate's kind of simple. It's like, here's the price. Either we're going to finance some of it, going to buy it and they're going to hold a note and then it's done. Right. This is like, Hey, we're going to put this much down. You're going to finance this for four years. You're going to get 50% of the profits for this year's. We're going to get a lender for this. You're going to keep the staff on. Like it's a lot more intense. So, it's, I guess it's good and bad. It's good because you can literally create your own structure, but it's also tough because there's so many moving parts and you're dealing with emotions on both sides and the numbers on both sides. Um, but to get to your question on like specifics, I've done um, deal that was just straight equity. Like I would just get a percentage of the profits and I knew like the, the marketing agency, like I knew it was high margin. So it made sense. I made that back pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and then I did. Did you the, put like clauses in there that the you know the other owners weren't allowed to take a salary? Like whoever had control, or was it like did you put barriers we, in place on controls? So that one I think was pretty simple. I think it was actually structured as a loan until I got paid back, and then it became equity. Okay. Um, and then for the restaurant slash food truck, that started out as uh, like actually a I did a royalty deal, 
So I got a percentage of all the sales because I knew the margins were very sl slim. So I knew I could protect myself by getting a higher income off the sales. So I did that once I made my money back, then it's uh, converted to equity. And we've had some changes since then because we're setting up a new location, restructuring some things. But um, yeah, you could do it, like I said, royalty deals. You could do it as like a loan that converts to equity. You could do straight equity. Um, there's, it's however you can envision yeah. it, you can do a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can't wait one day to be in some of that stuff because I love, I'm a it's deal so junkie. It's so much fun. I love Because you came from consulting anyway, right? Yeah. So like, you know, a lot of the, that's the thing. I didn't have any kind of corporate background. Like I didn't know corporate finance. So actually this year I've taken a ton of time to like, I've actually been taking some like online business courses um, for like mergers and acquisitions and like PE and stuff like that, just to learn that more. Um, I mean, I love how much you invest in education, right? Like six licenses and you're always trying to learn and learn and yeah. learn new, new different areas of, you know, overall investment. Like you got your thesis statement, right? Which is invest. You want to manage money and invest, right? And then you've just figured out a way to learn everything you can that you can invest, right? It's, so. I like learning. Which I like learning about certain things. So it's like not even a job, yeah. you know, that's great, which is nice. So obviously running here, running here short on time. Right. And so with everybody, I like to end the, the podcast with three specific questions. And, you know, we talked a lot about your vision and where you see yourself going, but maybe get a little bit more specific here. Like where do you see yourself in five years? So the goal in five years is to be living in Florida. First off. Oh, okay. Transitioning yeah. This year. I didn't know that a little bit, right? Yeah. You're starting to transition. Okay. Yeah. The, by the, uh, hopefully by this winter, I'll be living there at least half the year, but possibly full-time. Um, so hopefully living near the beach. Uh, Career-wise, I want to either have my own hedge fund or a large asset management firm. Um, I hope to be overseeing at least 100 million at that point. And uh, pretty much my day will be figuring out what I want to invest in that day. Love that, love that, man. That's, uh, think you're gonna get there, 100 million? Uh, we're in all assets, little under 20 still so i got some room to work with i yeah. gotta i gotta you hustle get, you better get going bro yeah I, you're well, a hustler so you get there again <laughs> you gotta focus yeah right i mean focus yeah, back is the key. i'll go door knocking at mansions down in fort lauderdale <laughs> yeah you win that one might have you win one client you might be you might, you might hit your 100 million that's cool what advice bro what advice can you give everybody listen the best advice you have right now that you can give everybody out there that that's aspiring to to be someone right uh, best advice would be to find something that you're willing to do every day for free and become the best at that. doesn't matter what it is, what industry, if you become the best at it, you will make good money doing it. Short and sweet and to the point. I love that. What, um, where can we find you? Where can, where can I have all the listeners, you know, find you if they want to reach out and yeah. talk business, maybe have a deal for you, whatever, right? Yeah. People I'm looking for deals. I'm always taking on, um, more clients as well. Uh, I'd say probably the central website that kind of links to everything else is the pittsburghinvestor.com and my Instagram is pittsburghinvestor. Cool, man. Anything else you want to add? No, man. i uh, excited to be here with you guys today. This has been fun. Obviously, always looking up to you guys as well with the success you've had and looking forward to a strong end of the year. Yeah, let's go. Appreciate having you, brother. Appreciate you, Doug. Bye, Thanks. guys.